arrive, but you didn't come to this place alone. You will fight, but this war isn't yours to independently wage. Because this, my friends, this is shoulder to shoulder. You are family, you are brothers, you are warriors. And before you lies a victory that's more than worth your life of sacrificial preparation. A victory that can only be won by standing shoulder to shoulder. Hey friends, welcome to Football Sunday 2020. I'm Brock Heward, and in a few hours, the largest single game sporting event of the year will be played in Miami. I love this day because it's so great for the players, the fans, and everyone in your church community. Since my own NFL playing days ended in 2004, I've been covering college and NFL games as an analyst ever since. And one thing I've always paid attention to over the years are the rule changes at the pro level, many of which keep players from getting hurt. And this year, the league implemented a number of player safety rules, including one, eliminating a shoulder-to-shoulder two-man double-team block. In layman's terms, no longer can two teammates on a kickoff stand shoulder-to-shoulder holding hands and double-team another player. And if a player or two does that in today's game, well, their team will be penalized. But those very same players will be rewarded today if they stand shoulder-to-shoulder. One's a penalty, the other's a reward. And make no mistake, these guys must stand shoulder to shoulder because that's their only path to victory. And we all get to see it unfold. So wherever you watch the game and whoever you're with, I hope you have a great and memorable experience. Welcome to Football Sunday 2020. As an athlete, you know, you always look for the pinnacle of, you know, championships and obviously in football, it's the Super Bowl. It's surreal um, being in this moment, being here. I mean, it's what you work for all off season and all year long, and especially with this group of guys and the coaches, they're a special group. There's nothing higher really than this when it comes to football. And so to reach that level and to know that you're one of the last two teams in that game, it's really cool, man. When you really start to break it down for what it is, you can't help but get excited. So yeah, it's, it's really cool. I mean, it's a blessing. I mean, there's no other example that I can say that makes me happier than I get to go to the Super Bowl. Grew up my whole life a football fan, watching the Super Bowl. You always watch it on TV, you're like, man, that'd be really cool to be there someday. For professional athletes, that's always the goal. And to be on this team and, and to be able to actually achieve that goal and be here now, it's, it's a great feeling.
Our first story highlights Prince Samukamara, a cornerback for the Chicago Bears. After playing at Nebraska, Prince was drafted 19th overall in 2011 by the New York Giants. Prince is a great guy whose life came together when he began to understand the reality of God's grace. This is his story. My upbringing around faith and around religion, both of my parents really loved God and, and, and served God. But for some reason, one thing that I pulled from that was, was rules and obedience. And so I thought, okay, as long as I'm a good person, I'd be able to get into heaven. But it was working. Everyone thought, oh, Prince is the good kid. And, and, and that, was my, that was my reputation. Prince was a good guy. And to be honest, I kind of I liked it and I, and I, took, I took pride in it also. When I got into high school and I had friends around music, now they were my comparison, they were my standard. So as long as I'm not doing what they're doing, as long as I'm being better than them, in my eyes, then I'm still in right standing with God. At this camp, 500 kids, it's co-ed, boys and girls, about 12 different sports. There's college coaches there, so I'm thinking, okay, I'm here to showcase my talent and hopefully get on a radar to, to get a, a football scholarship. Each kid had um, their own group. In the group, we were doing Bible studies and we would break break the huddle and we would do prayer. And one of the phrases we were saying was like, for his glory, and I'm thinking like, like for wh whose glory, like who's his? I still was kind of on the fence, but they played a clip with uh, Christ with, with car carrying the cross and people whipping him and spitting at him and wearing the crown of thorns and blood is on his face. And I'm thinking like, wow, like he did this for me. So it wasn't until I got into college, I met with the, the team chaplain and he took me and a number of guys under his wings. We started to go through books and he, he taught us the word. We, we studied the word and we ended up spreading the word, share, sharing, sharing our testimony. High school stage, I was a believer. College is when I became a follower and when I started to walk and when I was able and learned how to give an account for what I believed in. There's nothing you can do to get God to love you more than he does right now or to get God to love you less. He like he wants a relationship with you. When Jesus was at the cross, like he knew that he was buying broken, prideful, selfish, sinful beings like us and that should give us hope. The fact that a perfect God would want something so broken should tell us like how purposeful we are and how valuable we are. Seems like we can all find ourselves somewhere in Prince's story. Some of us are trying to live good lives, hoping that the good deeds will outweigh the bad ones and that God will take notice. Some of us have claimed the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of our sins, but we've stalled there. And some of us are following Jesus. So wherever you find yourself, the players today aren't the only ones who need to stand shoulder to shoulder. The life God intends for us is discovered when we stand shoulder to shoulder with Jesus himself, because he really is all we'll ever need.
I play football and there's a very performance-based relationship that I'm in with this team. And the gospel says that we get to walk into a non-performance-based relationship. And here's Jesus saying, look, I came down, I did all the work for you. All you gotta do is just receive it, abide in me. And even the days you slip up, I'm still here to catch you. He's a great father. You know, I've got three little kids and showing them, you know, what it means to, to follow Jesus and to be the man of the household that I'm supposed to be. He's left the playbook behind for us to follow and all we have to do is just listen and, and enjoy the ride that he's gonna put us on because he already knows the ending result. I think the biggest thing for me with Christianity and who God is is, is that it's based on his unconditional love and grace. I'm discovering God to be faithful and uh, to be a promise keeping God. Galatians 6, 9, he says, never grow weary of doing good for in due time you will reap a harvest if you do not give up. So many times the Christian life feels like you're just sowing good things, sowing good things, sowing good things. It's like, man, when am I gonna reap the harvest, right? In that time, you know, the devil's throwing all those bad thoughts in your head. He's saying, oh, God's not really good. God's not really fair. No, God is good. Even if my circumstances aren't good, God is still good. I think life is all about relationships and this relationship with Jesus, it doesn't matter what you've done in the past. With Jesus, it's one of those things where no matter what I do, he's still gonna love me and that grace and it's always, it's always enough. Nate Solder is a Pro Bowl tackle who was drafted 17th overall in the 2011 draft. He's earned two Super Bowl rings with the New England Patriots, and he's made a living at protecting quarterbacks like Tom Brady, Eli Manning, and others. Nate is married to Lexi, and they have two wonderful children. But when their first son Hudson was born, a chain of events was set in a motion that would literally change their world. But that's not all. This is their story. When we found out I was pregnant, I, he was at work, I think, and he um, wasn't home. I took a pregnancy test in the morning, and it was positive. I put it in a like a jewelry box that I just had like laying around the house, and like wrapped it up in something. And I was like, I don't want to open this. I'm not into gifts. Like I don't want to. And, and, and she, she's like, No, no, you want to open this one. And it was the first pregnancy test, and it was positive. And I was like, What do I do now? <laughs> I do remember having one freak out moment because uh, we have a cat and I was like, because I'm reading all these things about how cats can give diseases to pregnant women, all this stuff. So I'm like so nervous. So I'm in there vacuuming at three in the morning, vacuuming the whole, the kitty litter over the floor and like just going nuts. And I was like, I read my Bible. I tried calling people, but it's three in the morning. So I was like, I have no one to talk to. So she's like, Nate, why are you up at three in the morning vacuuming? I, was like, I don't know. I'm so nervous. We were giving Hudson baths, and um, I remember Nate said at one point, like, this feels weird. He has like a weird sort of lump on his left side. So we were friends with the pediatrician. Let's just text her. Let's text uh, Rachel and see what she says. So we go over her house, and, and she's feeling his lump on his left side and feeling sort of the right side of his belly. And, and she's like, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't really worry about it. We'll keep an eye on it. She said, I want him to have an ultrasound today. So I was like, okay. I remember like getting in the shower and getting ready to go. And I was just like, started crying in the shower. Cause you just know, I mean, a mother's intuition, you just know it's not good. 
He was diagnosed with bilateral kidney tumors, which is really what, that is the basis of what we know. Um, his doctors have thrown around uh, Wilms tumor, which is pretty common. We were in the hospital for four or five days. It was just an onslaught of different medications, different types of options for how we could treat it. There was probably 10 different doctors who would talk to us about it. His kidneys were, they said, were the size of pears at a three-month-old, when they're supposed to be the size of peanuts. So he was on chemotherapy for a full year. His kidneys um, shrunk tremendously. They looked like normal kidneys, but they always still had some spots in them. We were off for a year, and one of the spots started to grow again. So they thought the best course of action was to start chemotherapy again. They shrunk, and if they didn't shrink, they would not grow anymore. After a year of that, he still has tumors in his kidneys, but they're small and they haven't grown very much. So that's kind of where we're at now. Who knows what we're gonna do with that and surgery might be down the line or more treatment or who knows. So yeah, we take it one day at a time. this sort of time in our lives where we felt like Hudson's situation was sort of stable and, and we started looking outward in ways that we could help or make an impact. I always say if, if Hudson was born in Uganda or Guatemala or Thailand or whatever with his condition, with his kidneys, he, would, he wouldn't make it. Uh, we were able to find Compassion International. They introduced us to kind of some of the programs they did, some of the kids, and I think both Lexi and I were thinking we're going to do something big. They get a good meal, they get evaluated, they get health records, and then they get Bible lessons. So they, they learn scripture and, and kind of, they, they act it out in the way that they treat each other. And then one of the biggest things is too, they have access to school. So they're all their schools paid for, and they have access to medical care. So they can go to any hospital and they get all the medical care covered too. You know, we have our NFL life and we have our compassion commitments and, and then we have our, our kids and our home life and, and all are very different and unique and I think that middle section for us is Jesus. And I think that's really what connects it all. God's purposes are being done and it's happening. And somehow he's made us a part of his uh, plan and it's led us down this path that we could have never fathomed. I never thought that I would play as long as I have in the NFL. I never could have imagined it as a kid. I certainly never wished that my son had cancer, but then somehow we're sitting in Uganda and the people are cheering because we were able to create these centers. And so God's up to something amazing and it far exceeds anything I've ever done in football. It far exceeds anything I could do. The Solder family is in the middle of it again. The fear, the uncertainty, the prayers of desperation, and the sleepless nights of wondering. They're in a vulnerable place right now, and they need our prayers. But I also know the Solders well enough to know they won't give up. They'll continue telling their story and allowing it to push them into the world with a global vision of rescue in the name of Jesus. And they'll do it by standing shoulder to shoulder with an amazing organization they mentioned called Compassion International. 
We traveled to Guatemala with the soldiers last summer, and we learned there are 400 million children around the world who live in abject poverty. That's less than $1.90 a day. We've also learned that when we follow Jesus, we follow him into a world that needs saving and rescue. So what if you took your story and your resources, those two things, and you partnered together with a Christ-centered ministry that's saving lives around the world? There's no doubt your church already has some great opportunities for you, or you can check out Compassion International online. There's a victory waiting to happen here, but it won't happen unless we're willing to stand shoulder to shoulder. My, my brother having passed away and um, going to heaven, I think it's really, you know, put me and not only me, but my family to a whole nother level of, of faith and, and believing. Dove into the Bible more than I ever have just throughout throughout this process because it's really the only place that I can find some peace. And really just knowing and reading about heaven and because that's I, I know that's where my brother is and, and just knowing without a doubt in my mind that, that I will see him someday. And, and that really, really is the only thing that really kind of brings me some peace. I'm not going to the Father because every single time it's like, man, I need this, I want this. Like I spend more time thanking in prayer now um, because I'm just like, man, like I actually just get to be with you. And I know it doesn't even end on this side of eternity. I know that this gets to be forever. The first eight years of my career uh, was a starter pretty much the whole time. And then uh, last season I got benched this year, I got fired, rehired, fired again, and uh, spent the first five weeks of this season on my couch watching football unemployed. Got a phone call from my agents who, you know, the Chiefs contact my agents, and he said, hey, the Chiefs want you, let's go. Week 16, got a shot to start, played well. Played well week 17, and um, I'm still playing. You know, I started and played both playoff games, and I'm gonna start in the Super Bowl. It's, it's really God's showing off. It's, it's actually amazing. Since he was picked in the first round of the 2004 NFL Draft, Benjamin Watson has had a long career in the NFL. And while Benjamin and his wife Kirsten have experienced a lot of success, they've also experienced their share of challenges. Challenges filled with disappointment, hard questions, and loss. This is their story. If we lose, possibly my last game. Uh, if we win, which hopefully we do, uh, there'll be another game after that, which will be in Atlanta for the Super Bowl. And on that Monday or Tuesday, I started getting pain in my stomach. The next day, I ended up going to uh, the hospital, got a couple CAT scans and gave me some medicine and uh, sent me home. Another doctor looked at my CAT scan and said, I think Benjamin has uh, acute appendicitis. You need to get him to the hospital right now. A dear friend named David, um, came over to the hospital, prayed for me. My family was there and I woke up. That was the first night I slept the whole week. They released me from the hospital. I go back to the facility and, uh, you know, they tell me that, well, you weren't here the first two days of practice, Wednesday and Thursday, so the plan is for you not to play. Crushed. Because in my head, I had this awesome story of, I had appendicitis, God healed me. I came back in the NFC Championship, caught the winning touchdown. <laughs> 
you know, <laughs> it's going to be a Christian sensation. That's how my mom was rolling. Late April, early May, I started thinking about, you know, maybe, maybe I want to play again. New England reached out after we made them word I wanted to play, and it seemed substantial. Like, it might really be an opportunity to play. So when Benjamin decided to continue to play, then everything kind of shifts. Moved the family across the country again. And so the kids are there, the guys are moving the boxes out. It's the memory of walking through the house when there's nothing in there with all the kids. Go to practice that week. I'm not activated that first week. Then the next week, things are kind of weird. Um, and I was released. I was cut. I, was, I, I, didn't, I wasn't good enough. We had five kids. And the question we always get is, are you done? And I just didn't have the yes. And then one night I remember him saying, you know, let's, let's go for number six, let's try. And so I felt like we had waited, we had been patient, um, and then we had both heard yes from the Lord. And so to go and, and then get pregnant immediately, I was like, we were supposed to have six. And so the last thing that ever crossed my mind is that we wouldn't have the baby. When it didn't work out, and we found out that we had lost the baby, I remember thinking, God, I thought I was doing what you said. You know, five kids is a lot. We said yes to six. We must have been wrong, because surely God wouldn't allow that. And so we got pregnant again. And I said, well, Maybe God really does want us to have this sixth baby. We were excited, we told the kids, and then something went wrong again. The baby's not growing, and um, there's no heartbeat. I'm just trying to be obedient, and I don't understand. And so this time was really rough, and we try again in July, and then I get pregnant. I look, I'm looking at the lady giving the ultrasound and she makes this weird face. And I say, is everything okay? She's like, yeah, I see something. And so I say, well, is it a baby? Do you see a baby? And she goes, I see two babies. I look over at Benjamin, I see him walking towards the TV screen with his mouth open. And then I look at the screen and I see two, two babies. And I say, you didn't tell me you had twins in your family. Because I don't, I was like, I don't have any twins in my family. How do we have twins?
God works all things together for the good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And what is that good? That good is not necessarily what I think good is. It's always good, but it might not always be pleasant. Then to me says, if God loved you, wouldn't that be easy? And somewhere along the line, I've bought in that lie. Then I have to go back to truth, and I look in the Bible, and I don't see that anywhere. <laughs> His promises are that you are an overcomer, that I love you, that I'll never leave you or forsake you. His promises are that I will always provide for your needs according to riches and glory. His promises are that I love you so much that I sent my own son to die for you. His promises are that I've already written the book, so I know what's happening when you don't. His promises are eternal life. His promises are that I'll give you beauty for ashes. Many of you are in a season right now that doesn't feel pleasant at all. Your job, your close relationships, your health, or your finances are causing pain and disappointment. Some of you feel like you've done everything you're supposed to do, but the happy ending you're hoping for feels a million miles away. So what does standing shoulder to shoulder look like for you? Maybe God's invitation for you today is simply telling one person how hard this really is. Or maybe God's inviting you to stand shoulder to shoulder with believers throughout the ages, followers of Jesus who have stubbornly and faithfully chosen to believe in God's good promises, even while they live in their own uncertainty. Whatever the case, God is always offering us something far greater than the answers we seek. He's offering us His presence, a presence that's most often seen through others who have walked or who are currently walking the same journey. Shoulder to shoulder, because we just can't do this alone, and we were never meant to anyway. Maybe you're standing shoulder to shoulder today with Prince. You just made a decision to follow Jesus, and all of heaven is celebrating. Get with someone and start walking this journey together. Maybe you're standing shoulder to shoulder with Nate and Lexi. You feel the need to take part in a rescue mission for the sake of children in developing countries. There is so much joy in getting involved. Or maybe you're standing shoulder to shoulder with the Watsons. If you're in a season of challenge and disappointment, lean into the promises of God and know that you are not alone. So on behalf of Prince, Nate and Lexi, Benjamin and Kirsten, and all the people who make Football Sunday possible every year, it's been an enormous blessing and my great pleasure to be with you today. Have a great day and enjoy the game. found that encouraging to be able to hear from some guys, some women that, that they, they love Jesus and, and they've been given a platform to be able to, to share their, their love and hope that they have for Jesus with others. But yet it reminds us that, that even people that might be a superstar, people that we kind of look at and go, wow, everything's going right, that they have real struggles too. That, that, that they're people that they know that, that they need people beside them, that they know that they need people that are going to be shoulder to shoulder walking through life when it gets hard and when it gets difficult. I think that there's a good chance that there's, there's some here today that that's where you're finding yourself. 
you're finding yourself, you're, you're in a season that it's difficult, it's hard. That, that you're, you're at a place right now in life where, where you really need somebody to be shoulder to shoulder with you and help get you through. Some of you, you already have somebody and they're, they're shoulder to shoulder with you. And, but maybe you're somebody, you're here today and you don't have anybody that's being shoulder to shoulder with you. I, I just... I just want to see if we as a church, we could be praying for each other in this way and we can be supporting each other in this way. In fact, would you just bow your heads? And I want to ask you this. If you're somebody that, that, that you'd just be willing to be real and transparent and say, well, I, I need somebody shoulder to shoulder. Maybe you already have somebody and, and, and that's great. And maybe you don't have somebody and, and you need somebody. But either way, you know you're in a season right now that you really need somebody on your shoulder walking through this journey with you. Is there anybody that would raise their hand and say, that's me, I really could use some prayer? Is there anybody in here that would go, I'm, I'm, I'm needing that person. I'm needing them. I see you. Is there anybody else? I see you. Just being real, being honest. I want to pray for you. Heavenly Father, you know the, the situation, you know the heaviness, you know the difficulty of what's going on. And I pray that, that you, would, you would give people that would stand shoulder to shoulder, help, help, help carry a, a burden. And that they would be willing to do this. And God, if there's people that are already there in, in these lives, I pray that you'd give them the tenacity and the drive to, to stick with it. God, if there's just nobody there, or there's not enough people there, I pray that you would be sending them. So that there are people that could walk shoulder to shoulder. Show us as a church how we can be supporting and loving and caring for each other. Jesus, it's in your name that we pray. Amen.